Should we do it? Should we shotgun on water quickly? Oh my god. I'm joking. A water. What do you mean? You don't have eyes. You're gonna pee in like two seconds. Oh, that's No, I can hold it. No, you can't. Yes, I can. You're lying to us. We know. Yes, I can. Oh my god, you guys. Guys? I want to tell a story. Go ahead. Go go for Darla. Okay, so one of the first years I started working in the class that I work, this is two years ago now or three years ago, there was a little kid who was probably four. He was so cute. And he came up and he's like, I drew a picture for you. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, can I, okay, and he hands it to me. He's And it just looks like a bunch of scribbles. Like, it's nonsense. And he's like, it's your minivan. And I'm like, oh, what? wow, like, that's great. He's like, it's on fire. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this? And he literally drew my van on fire. <laughs> Why? Is he having dreams about it or something? I don't know. I, as a brand new, I was just a little thrown off. I was like, thank you. Maybe he's going to light your... I know. I was fire. like, he... That's like a threat. Like, Is he a weird kid? He wasn't a weird... Well, no, he wasn't a weird kid. Later, he did. He's like, can you help me draw what my insides look like? And I was like... I mean, I can provide you the pencil crayons, but I don't know if I can help you beyond that. That is why kids are just absolutely... They're gems. They're gems. Um, Cherished. I have a story. Mm-hmm. So when I was, I usually read my story out loud a couple times sure. to rehearse it. And when I read out loud, I noticed that I yawn uncontrollably. What? So <laughs> as I was doing it, I actually Googled it. And this. Um, now I want to yawn. So this headline came up and it says, I yawn uncontrollably when I read children's books. Is there help? And I swear to God, you guys, <laughs> when I read stories to kids. I yawn uncontrollably. I've never said anything about it. I've never <laughs> questioned it. I always just assumed it's because I was tired. And when I saw this on the internet, I was like, oh my God, there's other people this out is there. Me. And this, is this me. lady talks about how it's only when she reads children's books. And this is me too. Like, what? But it also happens when you read your own podcast. It did that one, just that one time. Okay. So. <laughs> It's usually when I read kids' books, though. Like, because this is they're, what blew my because mind. Because they're boring? No, so when you yawn, it's because your brain needs oxygen. So what they say is, because you're, if you're sitting and you're comfortable, you're oh. exerting more energy from talking, I right, guess. Right. And so you're, you're not breathing in it. enough, maybe? I guess so. I'm stifling my yawns Yawn. as we speak. <gasps> <laughs> I just want to shout out it's- this lady, though, for okay. putting this on the internet. Like, you i don't feel like i'm alone in this you're never alone Kenya. thank you okay that was what that was my share and we are radio face stories i'm darla i'm kezia and uh thank you for joining us for episode six six, six is my favorite number so that is neat <laughs> this is not 69 <laughs> was it your email address darla read 69 no. at hotmail.com false <laughs> It was Darla Reed six because six is my favorite number. Right. Since I was six. Thanks for ruining that. Why did your favorite number stop at when you reached the age six? Okay. And was your favorite number one, two, three, four, five? This is why I remember being six and some little freckled faced kid was like, What's your favorite number? I'm like, six. Are you talking She's about like, me? No, I didn't oh. know you yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
some other freckle face kid. I thought you were just. She's like, your number, your number, your favorite number is six only because you're six. And I was like, no, it'll always be six. And so it's always been just to screw that kid over in your face, Do you remember kid. Her name? It's still six for the past you, 30 years. <laughs> do you remember her name? I don't. I don't. Yo, you little bitch from grade six, it's no, still number six. No, it would six. be from grade one. That's how long I've held oh. this. And I was like, I couldn't believe she called me out like that. Like, how dare you? And so, no, now it's always been six. Anyway, My favorite number is 11. Why? I feel like it's a lot of people's favorite number. I know. That's I Pat's favorite number. I had it first. No, he... Well, he's older than you. I think it used to think. be seven. And then he was born and was like, my favorite number is 11. <laughs> calling it now. He just out of the womb yelled, 11! 11! <laughs> I don't know why it's 11. Cause you don't have a reason? I think, no, I don't. Because every time I wanted, I think it was seven. And then every time I tried to get a number seven on on a team or in gym class, it that People can't be right because seven first, is the last number. And then Seven's I got unlucky. 11 by default. And then I was just like, well, now it's 11. And that's it. It's 11 now. That works. Totally 11 now. You're yeah. 11. 11 for life. <laughs> what was your favorite age your whole life? Right now. Really? I don't know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> great. That was great. What was yours? I don't know either, but I don't think it's. Like, if you could be any age, well, you'd be feel, the age you are now? I feel like every year is different. You can't really, I don't know. I can't compare them. I enjoy getting older. That's good. That's for sure. That's positive. I can't say that about most people. You don't enjoy other people getting older? No, I, I, <laughs> I can't say that most people enjoy getting older. I... Or embrace it. I am stoked. I think I embrace it out of laziness, but I don't necessarily enjoy it. Does that make sense? Like, I don't, like, get... Botox and do all these other things to look younger because I don't got the energy for that shit. But if you had the energy, would you? No, because I don't care. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we learned here, but <laughs> that you will never get Botox. Yes, that's what's what your, the what, moral of the story is. <laughs> what's your favorite age that you could be? Twenty-two. Why? I want to be 22 because that is when I finally, like, I knew what was going on and I met my future husband and I just remember having a, the time of my life at 22 and my 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 second half of my life began where I That's meet my husband and I That's a beautiful story, Darla. Are you making fun of me? No. That? You should. I would. <laughs> it really is. Okay, thanks. Anyways. 22 and me with Darla. 22. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> What? No. Why is that gross? I don't know because it sounds so cheesy. I would never <laughs> read or listen to anything called that. <laughs> 22 and me. With Darla. Starling Darla. Starling. Starling. <laughs> Woo! Let's go back okay. to murder because that's where I'm comfortable. Should we rock, paper, scissors? But should we do best out of three though? Cause yeah. I... Kate, are you shitting me right now? I suggested this no, last that's week and why. you mocked me. Because when I listened to the podcast, I was like, she's right. It yeah, should be best out of three. I'm so I'm actually honoring you here. Oh, thank you. Do that more. I'm not often. trying to be like, hey, actually, it's been my idea. <laughs> so best out of three, but Let's I gotta go right-handed. So okay. Rock. Wait, you what? can't say it. When it's the fuck a silent. Not? It's a silent. Well, game. this is a podcast, though. Everything's audio. Oh, okay. Okay. Rock, Rock paper, scissors, scissors. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> tie. That's a tie. Rock, Rock paper, scissors. Are you shitting me? Paper tie. Rock paper scissors. Shit. Ooh, one for one. you. Rock, paper, scissors. 
Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, tie game. One, one. Rock, paper, scissors. Fuck yeah. You lost again. Get used to it, but, is, but isn't it three as in like only three times? No, it's best of three. So that's but best. we did like seven. Yeah, but because we taught Kezia. No, because on we third, tied. on the third one, I, I got it. won two. I won two. You won one. No, but you only do best out of three, like one, two, th- like three rounds, and we did no, tie that's tie. That's not what and best of three is. You need to watch more organized sports. I think that we need to have a debate about this. We don't because you're wrong. So let's we're gonna Guys, pause for when a you second. Okay, do- <laughs> we're gonna pause till Kezia realizes she's wrong. Everybody pause. Are you Kay. wrong? I'm wrong. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, so who won? Me. Okay, great. <laughs> P.S. I hate you. Okay, I love you. Just kidding. I love you. I know. So my story takes place at Horn Lake. Uh, I'm oh. very familiar with Horn Lake because my family happens to have a cabin there since I was about eight years old. That is true. That is true. She, um, she's not lying. Nope. I've been there many times. I don't lie. Uh, okay. So Horn Lake is located about 20 kilometers west of Parksville and about 40-minute drive from where we are right now. It's a very beautiful lake. Would you concur? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's lovely. It has lots of cabins. Um, they have a campsite. It's a provincial park with caves. You can do cave tours. I have done those. Um, and it has uh, rock climbing. It's actually really, it's well known for rock climbing. It says it's the best sport climbing, one of the best sport climbing places in Canada. So I don't know Whoa, if you knew that. I didn't yeah. know that. It has like an amphitheater where they, I've gone up there and watched people rock climb and like they legit just hook in and hang upside down and like freak. Uh, it's just crazy. It's where crazy. is that? Um, it's kind of you know where our old our old lot was. Mm-hmm. It's like straight up the mountain from that spot, oh, okay. right where that oak rock overhangs the road near the campsite. So this story, like any place uh, and any people, it has a shitty side. There has been several drownings over the years, which I think is normal near any body of water. The story I'm going to talk about is a little girl named Lynn Hillier who was born the same year we were born. Um, I grew up hearing stories about this case. Um, So on July 24th, 1986, Lynn Hillier, who was two years old, uh, along with her parents and grandparents, headed to their family cabin for a little summer vacation. There's not a ton of information on this story, a couple newspaper articles and a Reddit link. And some of the information I'm going to tell you is just from stories I have heard uh, over the years. So online research, it just says that she vanished while playing outside. What I had heard was her mom and grandma had gone blackberry picking or berry picking, and she had been put down for a nap. And her grandfather was also there where she, at the cabin with her. And she woke up from her nap and kind of just left to go find her grandma and her mom, they think. Because she had had that information that they had gone berry picking, so they think she went to go find them too to go with, and and her grandpa didn't, whether he was also resting or whatever, she vanished. Okay. So they searched for her. Obviously, they called for her name, and there was zero, no sign of her. So they called their RCMP, and the official search began for this little girl. They brought canines who could not detect a scent at all. They could not, yeah, there was no detection of this little kid. Hmm. 
They then uh, had airplanes come with infrared scanners. They could not detect any body heat in the area. They could not find her with the airplanes or the dogs. What? When was this? Eighty-six. Okay. Right. Um, they were concerned that maybe a bears or cougars had grabbed her because that's common in that area. I've seen bears in that area. Pat's seen a cougar in that area, so it's still it, that would be a, a relatively possibility. Norm. Yeah, absolutely. They had divers that searched the lakes. Nothing. They hmm. couldn't find a sign of her. After a week of searching, her grandpa posted a $25,000 reward for her return. State And his, they actually interviewed him, and he said, I don't think she's here. She doesn't like the water, and she doesn't wander. Weird. So this might sound odd to some people, but I know as a parent, for example, my oldest child at two, I would have said a very similar thing. I would have been adamant that she wouldn't wander. She wasn't the type of kid to wander. She she wasn't naturally explorative. She wouldn't head to the water on her own, which sounds silly. Like you're saying, oh, they're two. They just do these things. Well, some kids don't. My two-year-old at that time wouldn't have either. So if she went missing, I would have said the same thing. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, the formal search was terminated after only 10 days. Wow. Couldn't find her. And that was it? Yeah, that was it. Four weeks later, on August 19th in 1986, two men on motorbikes were scouting for hunting grounds on the steep hillside about three and a half miles from the Hillier cabin, which seems really close, but if you think about the terrain, it's mountainside. It is straight up. And as they were searching for hunting ground, they found a small body uh, tucked under a log, and it was the body of Lynn Marie Hillier. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So they contacted RCMP and the parents, and that it was identified as her. So, like I said, it's only th- three miles from the cabin, but I've walked that, that area. Uh, it's not easy hiking. Now, imagine you're two. Yeah. Two-year-olds, you hold their hands when they go upstairs, right? They. There's no way. Tell me how, Yeah. right, a small little girl at two years old could walk up a mountain. rocky mountainside. That's just covered for miles. In brush, for too. miles, like it's not. Yeah, it's not like it's bare. No, it's not. No, there is some like trails and things like that, but the coroner ruled that she died of exposure on the second or third day of her being missing. And like I thought about that as well. So she's out there for two or three days. Dies of exposure. How did the dogs not smell her? They don't walk fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're low to the ground. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm sure she fell. There must have been some sort of, mm. and and how did the airplanes then, if there's infrared, how did they not pick up her body heat? Her mom, Colleen, stated, there's no way, it just doesn't seem possible. It's so hard to imagine her making it all the way up there on her own. No one can explain how she got up that rocky road. So, mm. of course, where there's unsolved mysteries, there are theorists, people that have theories. Mm-hmm. And this is where my research went kind of on a, a weird tangent. And I came across an article called The Pterodactyl Attacks in B.C. Pardon me? That's right. You heard me. Pterodactyl. Okay. As in <laughs> the flying dinosaur. Um. So over the years, there's been many unexplained, unsolved missing persons cases, not only in B.C. or Canada, but all over North America uh, a lot of them have been in provincial or national parks. So, like I said, Horn Lake's a provincial park. 
there's a book I came across called The Missing Missing 411 Western US and Canada by David Polides and Bird from Hell by Gerald McIsaac. So now we're going to get into pterodactyl You're getting stuff? into a little, what is what did you, the cryptids, right? Cryptid. A little oh, bit of cryptid cryptids. situation happening right now. Sweet. Darla, wait, maybe you should join the club. Cryptid the club. National Zoologist, what is it, Cryptid Zoology? Spe- club of British Columbia. I tried to find, like, join now link. <laughs> I, like, app- is there an application? I found that there's zero requirements to belong, so I just need to h- figure out how do I get that. How do I get there? I don't know. Let's figure it I out. I mean, I feel like it's key that I'd have to believe in this stuff, and I have a hard time right. believing that a, t- a you know prehistoric dinosaur stole someone's child. I feel like that's bullshit. Maybe it's just a guy dressed up in a dinosaur costume. Can this guy fly? Mm, maybe if he wears a jetpack. Ooh, in the 80s? Mm, yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> there was other missing children around the same age, all with very similar um, situations, found miles and miles away with and all toddlers. It doesn't make a lot of sense that they could walk that far, all at high elevation. Many of these tragedies involved the later discovery of scattered bones with very little evidence of what happened. Often when bodies are found, odd assortments of clothing are missing. For example, one or both shoes or, like, pants are missing. Like, really odd situations. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't really fall in line with an animal attack. There's not blood. Things Mm -hmm. like that. So theorists claim that the evidence is pointing to a flying predator, larger than a bird known to Western science, like a pterosaur. So the reason tracking dogs are often unsuccessful is because the victims are carried through the air and not dragged along the ground. When okay. the missing clothes are due to when the animal carries the bodies by their claws, the clothing tears or they carry them by their shoes and their shoes fall off and the body falls. And the animal can't now, as the body falls, the animal can't see when it falls into brush or bushes or under something. That It can't take its victim to wherever it was going and it loses it do they in the terrain. do these pterodactyls eat i would prey? assume that they would if they had successfully taken the the prey all the way to wherever they live i don't know if it's a giant bird nest or a <laughs> cave or other such nonsense i would assume yes that they would eat them but generally they just drop them no i think the ones that are found are the ones that have been dropped the other ones that haven't been found perhaps are successful meals i don't know it's bizarre (laughs) so pterosaurs are normally nocturnal which is another thought i thought people would see these gigantic birds but it's because they're normally nocturnal so you wouldn't see them oh but this kid went, went missing during the daytime right I don't like to say it like it's a fact. These people claim that these creatures would be normally nocturnal and they mostly eat fish or bats or other birds and they only pose a danger on a rare occasion. Take that (laughs) as as you will. And the sightings can go back a very long time. The creature was known as the devil bird by elders of the First Nations people. So it's been... A thing oh. for a very long time, and the sightings are well known. Is there photos of sightings? There is photos, and there's even YouTube videos. So we'll post some of those things for you guys. You can be the judge of that. I think it's bullshit. 
as I hope most of you do. Well, a pterodactyl, like maybe an eagle. It's not so much a pterodactyl as it's a, a species like from the pterodactyl. It's a pterosaur. It's a, it's a, spe- it's a type of pterosaur. I don't know why I'm defending this. I don't know. It's, I mean, it could be very possible. But I mean, tell possible. me else how, I mean, I'm not leaning towards flying dinosaurs, stealing people. But it is odd that there is so many people missing from national parks, provincial parks. There's and a lot children of that can there. manage, that's the thing. Like, clearly this grandfather thinks that this wasn't an animal. It wasn't her like, just simply yeah, wandering she off. She was abducted. someone dropped, brought her back later when the search was over because they knew. Yeah. I mean, I would tend to lean towards something more like that being a rational reason right. uh, over dinosaurs. But <laughs> this is the information I had, and that is the story. So I have that is, I have a few resources. Wikipedia, obviously. LiveTerrasaur.com. Check that out, everybody. <laughs> There's sweet. That's I'm a thing. That look, uh, you can look up on YouTube pterosaur sightings. Uh, YouTube uh, Epic Nature. They post a lot. Good job, guys. And newspapers.com for a few of the articles about Lynn. Was there other theories? No. This was the only theory. This is the only wacky theory, sure. I mean, I think a lot of people think it was a bear. Cougar dragged her up there. Okay. Um, Some of the details don't fit, but that's... That's very interesting. Definitely came out of left wing there. Was not expecting that, but, you know... Left field, my friend, or left wing. I mean, that fits in with the dinosaur. I get it. (laughs) Pterosaurs, right? The pterosaurs left wing. <laughs> Maybe they're left, like left winged, like they're left handed or Don't right-handed. hate the lefties. Why are you bringing lefties into this? I'm not. I'm just saying maybe they're left or right wing, depending on what's their <laughs> dominant wing. Oh my God. Darla's left handed. Yeah, all the coolest people are. So shout out to my lefties. What, what? <laughs> I love it. Yep. Okay, should we have a little commercial break? Commercial. We'll be back. Hi, it's Rebecca from Radio Face Stories. You might have noticed that we don't actually have any commercials in our commercial break segment, but why don't you help us change that? Do you have a business that you want us to promote? Or maybe you want us to promote you personally? In any case, get in touch. We'll tell the whole world about you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Um, we're just currently looking into there's a cryptozoology group on Facebook that Darla's joining. And I'm I'm asking, where is the group started? Whereabouts in the world? It doesn't tell me. It doesn't say? It says cryptozoology, the study of the study of the lore concerning legendary unexplained creatures or cryptids, especially in order to evaluate the possibility of their existence. How many members? 17,000 members. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a lot of people to be in a group. The first thing I see is a telescope fish. Please Google that. And uh, you're What's welcome. your favorite position? It's the listening position. <laughs> it's not mine, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> that sounds... What's your favorite dish? There's a video of some, I don't know, singer, and they're being interviewed by, I think it's an English journalist, and they said, what's your favorite dish? Obviously meaning meal or food. And the girl said... I think it would be the mug. I just like how it <laughs> It's like how it, I can fit in my hand and it has a handle or whatever she said. That's it's like a miscongeniality when they're like, What's your favorite like time of year? And she's like April twenty eighth, 
because it's just you can wear a light jacket and do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. No. It's a great movie. But, I mean, that's a movie. They they created that joke and made it, and they acted. This girl, actually, this is part of her interview. Her favorite dish is a mug. <laughs> well, now that we're on that, what is your favorite dish? Are we talking of the food or the dish? No, dishes. The dishes. I would have to concur with her and say the mug is a really great dish. Pretty good. I like a good deep bowl, like a soup bowl. Well, like, it's got to be deep. I'd, wait, do utensils count as a dish? I don't like know. Like a spork. It's very handy. I think anything that goes in the dishwasher is considered a dish. Oh, shit. Is that what defines a dish? I don't know. I mean, my frother is pretty dope, too, I but I wouldn't put it in the dishwasher. The frother is great. Washer. I think a proper size lasagna pan is important. <laughs> but um, it's not your favorite. No, it's not because I don't. No, you're right. Slink. Okay. No, I'm going to have to go back to the mug. The mug, man. It's dependable. And I'm sticking to. A deep bowl. Okay. <laughs> this is, we're here for the important conversations. <laughs> um, okay, my story is on the prison riot at Ocala Prison. Excellent. Where is Ocala Prison? So, Ocala Prison was built in 1912 in Burnaby, B.C., next to Deer Lake, as a prison farm designed to reform prisoners and teach them job-related skills. A prison farm? Yeah, so it had... Uh, it had animals, and there was gardens, vegetable gardens. Did the animals know that they're in a prison? Like, did they... A- no, a- the farm. Is it like a serial killer cow? Farm. There was. They had their own dairy, veggie gardens, and livestock. So I think the prisoners worked, you know, in the... In- it's like part of their reform? Yeah. That's cool, actually, I think. It was designed to hold 150 men and 50 women, but by the 1950s, the population was over a thousand originally surrounded by pastures many homes popped up around the prison as the city grew and some homes were as close as 50 meters from the prison fences that's bizarre right slash i'd love it a little bit yeah you could probably you just could watch, hard lurking <laughs> watch them when they're out in the field over the years the conditions deteriorated this prison was over capacity and housed a mix of inmates convicted for minor offenses and hardened criminals awaiting trial. And during its long and strange history, 44 people were executed. So the Mm. last person was Leo Mantha from the last episode. He was the last person that was executed at this prison. Others underwent electroshock therapy there. And some even had, it says, plastic surgery against their will. What would be the benefit of that? <laughs> I don't know that we Like, you know like, what? Your nose, I hate I it. Thinking, or like, Come that here. mole's pissing me a off. Little, little, take it off your face. A little rhinoplasty will do you good. <laughs> <laughs> One inmate describes it as a shithole, the dumping ground of BC. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't expect the inmates to be like, oh, I love this place. It's really cozy. <laughs> I think the conditions were just really awful, though. Um, there's a lot of... Stop breaking the law, asshole. The conditions That's why were you're horrible. There. Yeah. Burnaby Mayor Derek Corrigan worked there as a guard in the 70s and said it was probably the easiest prison to escape from in North America. <laughs> there had been Keeping the eight, standards high. 890 escapes. <laughs> but 
it was like wander out the door. Well, I was yeah. I was thinking maybe some people would get arrested on purpose just so they could go there and try to escape. Like it was probably that easy. I feel like I would not do that. Well, if you were with me, we'd get out. Okay. <laughs> we'd bust out of there for sure. You think so? Oh yeah, dude. I'm all, I'm good at that kind of stuff. Dude, best of three confused you. Okay, let's just move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> So, on December 11th, 1987, three inmates escape from this prison. They crawl through a hole in the wall, scale a fence, and hopped onto a sky train. (laughs) (laughs) Bye! (laughs) In their prison garb. Did you know it's called garb? I've heard the word garb. Okay, I thought garb was just like a short form for garbage. (laughs) You know? Like, that's garb. Why are you laughing? But it, it means clothing that of a distinctive or special kind. Yeah. Prison garb. Well, that just sounds it. really, I don't know. It, it does. Seems, I've definitely weird. heard it. I don't think I've used it, but I knew it didn't mean well, I'm gonna garbage. Start call- I'm going to start calling your outfits garb. <laughs> <laughs> I like your podcast garb today. Podcast garb. You didn't think it meant garbage? No, I didn't. Oh. I knew what it meant that time garb that's garb um anyways after their escape the official decided not to inform the public so they kept it kind of hush hush and this pissed off the locals and one of the inmates that escaped and wait a minute one of the local one of the inmates that escaped was pissed off by this yeah because he was hoping it would get media attention because he was watching the news didn't this is bullshit yeah so he (laughs) called a local radio station and told him he found it found it strange that their escape hadn't gotten much attention. So I, I was thinking, like, how did this go down? He called them up, and he's like, hey, guys, did you, did you hear about those guys that escaped from prison? And they'd be like, no, we haven't. Well, I'm one of them. They hopped on the Sky Train. Here I am. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe he did it as a knock-knock joke, and he was like, hey, knock-knock. <laughs> Who's there? It's Heath. Heath who? Heath Thompson and I escaped from prison. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that's exactly how it went down. <laughs> I hope so. Heath, you son of a bitch. Heath, you dirty son of a gun. So less than a month later, Ocala became too large of a problem to ignore anymore. Thirteen prisoners escaped on New Year's Day 1988, oh just a few days after a riot had destroyed a section of the prison. That's like a whole wing of people. Yeah. What the? F- what were the guards doing? <laughs> we're going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> Earl Anderson, a 21-year-old prison guard, doesn't that seem really young? Yeah. Said trouble had been brewing for days leading up to that day in December in 88. The holidays were a bit rough for the inmates because they were, you know, felt lonely and isolated being away from their families. And on top of all that, all the senior staff were away on holidays, leaving the less experienced 21-year-olds to hold down the fort. (laughs) (laughs) Leave all the babies. Let's leave the children. You guys got this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're great. We got it. There'd been talk of an escape and riots. Earl recalled and said you could feel there was tension. On December 27th, two inmates were caught talking during a church service. How dare they? I feel like that would be us. (laughs) One was escorted out and a scuffle broke out. The inmates got angry and they started to break stuff. They smashed toilets, sinks, and furniture in their cells. 
and started a bunch of small fires. So my question is, how do they start fires? Where there's a will, there's a way. They probably saved random little pieces of things and traded shit for weeks leading up. Or that's all, have, if that's all you have to focus on, you 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 manage. I don't know. Maybe they have lighters because they let them smoke. How do they light their cigarettes? Well, the, I mean, they probably don't all have lighters. Maybe some of them have a special Matches? permission or they freaking swipe them. Who knows? Maybe the 21-year-olds are like, oh, this guy, I can trust this guy or... If I, you know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah. I'm sure, all it takes is one dude to get a lighter, and now you got some small fires. <laughs> That's true. Little tiny fires everywhere. Yeah. Then things calmed down a bit, and when the inmates were in the yard, the guards searched the cells, and one guard said he heard threats. People saying, tonight's the night. You're going to see blood. We're going to take this place down. So because of that, they did another search, and they found two brass rods one had a sharpened point so they were basically like weapons making some weapons and then the inmates accused the guards of planting the weapons there then all hell breaks loose earl anderson the guard had heard the sound of porcelain smashing so they had taken a sink and threw it against the end gate and he thought like, oh, my God, they're going to knock this thing right off the hinges. And get, I'm not going to sail. Is that how he sounded? That's how he... Well, because he's 21. <laughs> oh, my God, they're totally going to knock this thing right off the hinges and gain control of the whole wig. We're going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how he talks. It probably is, though. He was, he was scared, though. He thought they were going to kill him. So now there's fires, I guess, is mm. what happen there's fires and the guards had fire hoses to douse the flames and they actually doused the the prisoners as well and had windows open to let the smoke out one inmate had slashed his own wrists and with his own blood wrote helter skelter on the wall oh man that's in reference to charles manson yeah and there's a photo of that that's messed up it's so gross (laughs) the 15 inmates who were considered the instigators had been moved to cells located beneath a giant barn so there was like the regular prison and then under a I'm barn sorry. i just have a thought like if you can find a lighter wouldn't you just find a pen to write helter skelter like would you really slit your own wrist to write something on a wall um well he's probably trying to make a point or something or he was obviously what about like a red pen yeah i guess you could just be unstable that's he was making messed. a statement That's just out with up. a bang. Sure. Helter Skelter, let's do this, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it with my wrist blood. <laughs> so they'd gone to this other part of the prison, the dungeon uh, part. Subterranean cells, they were called, were not very good for containing the prisoners and was described as dusty, dingy, underground concrete dungeon. Ugh. So it was definitely a worse place to be than the already shitty prison so they spent a few days inside there and they were given items like tobacco disposable razors who gives razors to inmates can't they just be hairy like why do we care i don't know and toothbrushes and the salvation army came to the prison and gave little bags of peanuts and candy to all the inmates how the fuck did they deserve candy i don't know it's christmas time i guess they felt bad for them yeah. <laughs> it was probably like 
the worst candy part. The stale. It's like licorice. Black licorice. The, sta- the stale ones that the stores were going to throw out. Like the ones that fall out of the bulk bin. On the floor. <laughs> the bulk aisle. Floor candy. <laughs> it's just the swept up floor candy at Absolutely. the end of the night from the bulk store. <laughs> Uh, yep. I mean, I'm sure they were stoked either way. <laughs> Floor candy, my fave. <laughs> so this wasn't really much, but for one inmate, Bruce McKay, I think he was the ringleader, mm. he hatched a plan. So he tore off a strip of off a bed sheet and tied a sock filled with peanuts to one end <laughs> and then slid it under a gap in the bottom of the cell door. And I can't even picture this, but it says... He flipped it onto the door level, which popped open the door. So he, like, slid it under this hole, and I think somehow got it to, like, flip backwards, and then it hit this level and opened the door. That's, I mean, genius, or a really shitty door. <laughs> well, like, if a, peanut, a bag of peanuts can open your door, you gotta maybe you reassess your door. security system. A bag of nuts. Well, there's supposed to be a pin in the door, apparently, and this particular moment or day there was the pin wasn't there, so that's one of the guards' fault, obviously. So he walked out and freed a fellow inmate, Neil White. These two had a shank. How they made the shank was a razor blade. Oh, yep. That had been melted into the toothbrush handle. Yeah, saw that one coming. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. They called the guard over, grabbed him, and shanked him in the neck. Ugh. They demanded that another guard hand over his keys or they would kill his partner. And then they forced all the guards to lie down on the ground face down with their hands behind their back, and they cuffed them. And they took the keys, unlocked all the other cells down there. And then two of the 15 inmates stayed. One of them didn't want to leave. He's like, no, I'm good. You guys just leave me behind. <laughs> I know. That's the Danielle Steele of the group. Yeah. That's our friend, by the way, not the author. <laughs> Just to I don't know the author. <laughs> and the other one, his door wouldn't open for some reason, so he just didn't get to go. And then as the guards lay face down, they heard the inmates say, let's do the guards. But the guy that was decided to stay in his cell was like, guys, just leave them alone. Like, you're free. Just go. Just go. And basically save their lives because I think this one guy was, like, ready to off them. From this article, it shows – so the article I was reading, then it shows a series of all these photos of all these guys that were in the prison, and they look like just misfit kids. A lot of them look really young. And there's a couple older creepy-looking dudes in there too. Most of them are just charged with robbery. The inmates threw the guards into a cell and locked the door, and then they made a break for it. The doors were already open because they were they have to let heat into the cells that way. They have so to, they, they leave the doors open to let heat in. Yeah, because it's like down in this dungeon. Right, right, right. right. So basically, they just walked out. <laughs> Two of them put on guards' uniforms. Smart. And then they climbed the fence and disappeared into the night. Kevin Corkery was coming home from a New Year's party with his wife in his vehicle when three of them hauled that they jumped in his car, like hauled them out and they jumped inside and Kevin, he like tried to put up a fight and they started driving away and he was still holding onto his car like he just wouldn't let it go. (laughs) That's only a dude would do that. There's a video of him like telling the story. I'd be like, take my van, please. 
<laughs> Thank you. He was hanging on to the car and was like, oh. <laughs> don't take my car. And then he just fell off eventually. <laughs> okay, I just, if that was like your your boyfriend, would you be like, wow, he's so amazing? Or would you be he's like, he's a hero? Why the fuck is he holding on to the car? Like, yeah. just let it go, man. Like, I would, well, she jumped out right away. And she's then he got a was brain. trying to fight three escaped inmates to save his car. Yeah. Like, like clearly. I, no, I would I would not be impressed. I don't think so either. Okay, just want to check. Sorry. <laughs> then there were several other reports as the 13 escaped inmates started to scatter across Metro Vancouver. But their freedom was short-lived. Gary Dewurst, he was charged with first-degree murder. He was found at his parents' house in Chilliwack the next day. I'm going so, home. <laughs> I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> Mom, I'm coming home. And then he gets picked up there the next day three other guys daniel fetter daniel gordon smith and alan Ispister, were found at a bar in new west later having later that day having beers but honestly i feel like if that were me and i escaped the first thing i would want to do is probably go have a beer i would assume that my freedom is short-lived and yeah. i'd probably be like if i go home that's the first place they're gonna look so you might as well stop for a quick brewski <laughs> yeah Enjoy it while it lasts. They probably didn't care because they're like, oh. How do they have money? I don't know. They probably just ordered it and then were ready to peace out after. Put on my tab. Yeah, they didn't even care. They're like, we could just do this again next week. <laughs> Swap out the doors. We'll just escape again next week, guys. Cool. Gary Hickick spent some time in a Burnaby apartment watching the news. <laughs> about the escape and catching up with women on the phone. So he called all his babes. <laughs> Ladies, ladies, it's me. Remember me? Oh my goodness, what are you doing out of jail? Oh well, eh, you know, just felt like going for a stroll. <laughs> Hickick said the prison was a scum hole, a bad attitude place. That all you go, you go there to get a bad attitude and no rehabilitation. I watched an interview with one of the escapees, Terry Hall, and he said there was two sides of the story, and he wanted the public to know. He said that the guards were drunk. Oh stumbling around he could smell the booze on them and then they hosed down the inmates for no reason for about seven to ten minutes destroying all his personal belongings and there was about three to four inches of water in his cell and he said porcelain chips from like the smashed sinks were flying around and he got cut under his eye so he was okay he was, uh, question like if he's saying that these the guards were just getting drunk and spraying them with water, who the fuck broke the sinks? Well, yeah, they were they were angry. That's they broke the sinks. But they're saying that he the guards said, instigated yeah, he said, it. Like he they said started? the guards instigated it. They were I doing see. it for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what I believe. Seems a little fishy that one. Yeah. He said there were no fires because that's why they were. They, it's why the the hose is out. Oh, okay. Fires, but he said there were no there were no fires. They were just mad because everyone was screaming, so they hosed them down. Hmm. He also said he wanted to expose the inhumane conditions at Ocala, but who knows? That he said they were pushed to the limit. So this BCTV reporter Alan Edwards did the interview and then let him go. So this was <laughs> like while he was escaped, right? So this didn't sit well with BC Attorney General Brian Smith. He was like, why would you interview this escaped criminal and then let him go? And Edwards said that 
he promised he would turn himself in after he visited his family. Yeah. And he did. Oh, he did. <laughs> he, did. he did. Yeah. <laughs> but still. <laughs> yeah. So he basically just wanted to ex- expose this prison, but I don't know if this one interview is like enough information. The reason they rioted was because of the living conditions. But then the guards countered with their own accusations of abuse. They said that 30 seconds of being hosed down f- can feel like seven minutes. He said the inmates would spit on them, throw things at them, even urinate in the soup. Ew. <laughs> but don't they have to eat it? The inmates? Uh, yeah, I guess so, but I don't know. There's like a pot that's like, this is the guard's pot. <laughs> The morale was really horrible. So over the next few months, all the remaining escapees were brought back into custody. But the, the controversy didn't go away. Premier Bill van der Zelm recommended that the government should close the doors of Ocala Prison forever. Residents had accepted living near the prison, but this had gone too far. The New Year's Day escape was the straw that broke the camel's back. During the 1986 provincial election campaign, van der Zelm talked about closing the prison, and on June 30th, 1991, Ocala was then shut down and townhomes were built in its place, and they used thousands of bricks from the exterior of the cell block to use as decorative walkways around the new housing sites. Oh, odd. Right? And I wonder if the people living there know that. No, I don't know. I bet you not. Maybe initially some of them did, and then probably information that's lost over time. Yeah. And apparently it's a booming neighborhood and it's hard for people to want to sell their homes that live there. When before, people were forced to live there or didn't want to because it's by this prison. And now it's just like a really great hot spot in Burnaby. Cool. And there's tons of videos on YouTube about the prison. Oh, I tried to look up where all the inmates went when it was shut down. Because there would have, you know, all these prisoners needed somewhere to go. But I couldn't find any information about that this earl anderson this guard he wrote a book called hard place hard place to do time and there's a documentary of his book on youtube too that i might actually watch it looks super interesting i mean maybe i'm ignorant or insensitive but i have a hard time feeling bad for prisoners that are complaining about their living situations uh but again i mean i don't there's a level of humanity you've got to have but if they're well like there's actually there's a lot more to it which i didn't get into but it has a really dark history there's like a lot of abuse and sexual assault and the guards to the yeah oh and there's interviews i mean there's a lot there's a lot of information about this prison online i just wanted to touch on you know the riot and what what got it shut down but, yeah, there's definitely, like, a really dark underbelly there. Okay. So, I mean, still hard to know, but, if you, yeah, interesting. get into it. Get into it if, if you want. Get on it. <laughs> yep. So, I got my information from globalnews.ca article from August 30th, 2018, and a little bit from Wikipedia. And that's the story of Ocala Prison in Burnaby, B.C., ladies and gentlemen. Love it. Never heard of that before. Yeah, no, I'm finding all kinds of neat o info. Yeah. Okay, I have something cool to share. (laughs) I discovered a new app today, which is like, who needs a new app? But this one is called Crime Door. 
Ooh. Crime door. Elaborate. Elaborate. So Crime Door, it has every crime scene in your area or the whole world. And you can go, you click, it takes you to a map. And then each area, like crime scene is tagged on the map. And you can go there. It'll show you pictures, any information about the crime scene, any podcasts or stories related to it that they have information about. And it's all there. So if I click mine right now, it takes us to our area. So right up. Lindsay Buziak, that's that realtor that was murdered in Victoria. Michael Dunahy, Amanda Stavik. It just goes on and on. And then if I zoom out, it goes to, you know, all over Canada or the States or the world. Every piece of crime information you'd ever want at your fingertips. Whoa. Darla, that's a sweet score. It is a sweet score. Good job. Um, So Crime Door, if you guys are weird like me and you like that kind of stuff or... Uh, I am that bad boy. It's free. I like it. Should we end on a high note? Do you, do you have any high notes? I don't. <laughs> what about a low note? Low. Nailed that. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope you have a stellar week coming up. Thank you. Yeah. You too. Thanks. It's late and it's Sunday. Sunday and um, yeah, we're we're just gonna call it a night. Yes. So thank you for sticking around. Absolutely. And uh, we'll talk back to you guys soon. Have a good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.